Welcome to Heart Yoga Radio This wonderful day in February 2023 Give you the weather report before we kick off It's pretty wonderful Very still, very peaceful Nice bit of sun All very colourful So that's, uh, that's you up to date with your weather report I'd like to talk briefly about a term that I use pretty frequently in these podcasts and that term is a universe of discourse Uh, well what do I mean by that well the first thing I need to say about it is that I don't mean by that any kind of accepted or official or consensual use of the term say uh, amongst political philosophers or philosophers in general social scientists and so on because the, it is a term that get, gets used well, I'm not really sure if the way I use it is in line with the way it is, is, is used generally you know. in fact it seems unlikely that it would be first part of the term universe well it's there to connote something incredibly large something which dwarves us as individuals and us as a species and even to dwarf our history and the, uh, the billions of years of life on earth measured against the universe in other words the entirety of everything it's absolutely minuscule vanishingly small but nevertheless we want to speak about a universe of discourse an immense area an immense space an immense space and time that contains discourse in other words words, sentences, meanings stories, narratives metaphors theories, hypotheses campaigns culture wars creations, fictions poems, novels TV series poems I didn't say that already (laughs) and discourses the conversations that happens not only in words but in speech the conversations in pubs and in works canteens and on building sites and on trains and buses and in pubs and cafes and in families in living rooms, at parties lecture theatres in the street in clubs and societies and political parties all the talking, all the conversation and the media through which those uh, conversations take place, newspapers just human proximity informal human proximity you go into a pub, you strike up a conversation with a couple of blokes about 
the significance of Jeremy Corbyn. I don't know, something of that order. Completely informal. But nevertheless, it's bound to be informed by what those individuals have read, seen on TV, picked up on the internet, heard, disagreed with, agreed with, digested, criticised in other conversations with other friends or other acquaintances or with enemies. So there's this whole picture of the the conversation that's ongoing and it is, if you think about it, pretty immense and it does dwarf individuals and we can poetically and metaphorically call it a universe because it's big, it's huge, plus it's got history. Plus we might want to extend it to, to any sort of commerce of signs and signals and symbols to include visual images that accompany the words and so on. So it certainly deserves the title universe I think. Now the universe as we know it is the place if you like, a, a, a kind of entity, a totality, it's what the uni part of the universe means, totality, from which there is no escape. We live in it, we're born into it, we live in it, we conduct our activities, including our discursive ones, within it, and we die in it, and we leave it in that way. as the material part of our existence is, is recycled into the great pool of elements and elementary compounds. And it's this feeling that, that this, this, this is uh, where, where you live, this is the world, to get Heideggerian on you there, that we are thrown into. You can see how uh, the, the popular notion that everything's an opinion, man. Well, that's just your opinion, man. As though there is no escape from the universe of discourse. We, we never get past opinion. We never get past the fact that we have to express ourselves in one language or another, and even if we use visual languages and, and symbolic languages, they're still languages. But of course, most of our, what happens in our universal discourse takes place in natural language. The languages that we speak for our everyday conduct, our everyday existence and all the activities that, it co that constitute it. Natural languages, French, English, German, Welsh, Latin in its day, Japanese, so on. Natural languages. And you can see how somebody like Derrida might say, and probably get misunderstood as to his meaning, but you can see how he might say, there is nothing but the text. We live in the text, we live in the words. There is no immediate experience outside of the words. All thought is ultimately in language. All understanding is propped up by, by, by language. 
no escape from the text and you can see that this this all kind of slips into everything being an opinion I mean this is a great bane of modern life and modern political discourse is it uh, that nothing can it seems can be settled so that the human species can have a plan of action through its governments or through whatever apparatus it decides to put in place to, to govern its collective affairs and to wield power on behalf of the collectivity. It can, it, that, that entity, that whatever government or, or whatever proactive collective element we put together can't do anything because it can't decide anything. It can't decide what is the case about anything. So this, it, what's happened is this extremely useful tool, the notion of a universe of discourse, the notion that we can analyse discourse, understood as a conversation between hearers and speakers, uh, partly formal, partly informal, floating around in, in the ether as it were, and, and uh, playing its part in forming the common sense of a population, the agreed understanding of how the world works, including society and self. It's to be understood. So all of this is building up, you know, the, the Gramscian common sense, the universe of discourse. One of the big condensates in the universe of discourse, one of the planets, the major planets, or the major nebulae, you might say, is is politi political discourse and the, of course political discourse is, is often the place where the universe of discourse where words and ideas and thoughts and decisions all linguistic affairs find their way into the world as concrete realities like a new housing estate or a, a repair to the sea wall or a nuclear weapons program or a green energy program all of these things require some kind of understand understanding but if, if there is no understanding beyond opinion and who has the strongest opinion wins and is able to impose their view or whoever has the best tactics and strategies and techniques for, for taking over uh, government but that they uh, just through the kind of mighty's right are the people who decide what's going to happen materially and concretely what buildings are going to rise up what buildings are going to be demolished how children are going to be educated how medicine is going to be administered etc etc the whole game of uh, government so in a sense we have this very useful tool we have this ability to do discourse analysis and start to understand our popular un understanding popular notions are, are formed and propagated and distributed and transformed and mutated in those uh, in that process of constant movement constant exchange constant communication within populations so that is massively useful conceptual tool that's also somehow like managed to shoot itself in the foot and it was kind of inevitable it seems to me that uh, that uh, something like that would happen, that, that the concept of the universe of discourse invites us into thinking, well, there is nothing but, but the text. 
and that perhaps even invites us further into solipsism that all we know is our own mind all there is is our own mind maybe you know and both of these positions uh, have been held by populations for very long periods of time over the history of the human race I suppose we know nothing ultimately but, but our own mind is like Descartes' position a position which you couldn't turn into any kind of practical understanding of reality without positing God because only God uh, could prize him out of his solipsism out of his entrapment in the cell of his own skull you might say or the cell of his own thinking so there there are plenty of ways in which we're heading in that direction anyway it seems to me that there's, there's an amount of truth in it that we do live in, in, in language in, in many ways. And certainly it's massively important whether there is an escape from language in the form of like mystical experience, yoga experience, uh, experiences in Buddhist meditation in which there seems to be a non-linguistic understanding or a direct encounter with some kind of primordial layer of existence or some some uh, way of knowing that that doesn't involve our um, our evaluations, our appreciations, our likes, our dislikes, our desires, and so on. That there is an understanding outside of language, and it's the, the the posit of all the world's mysticisms in some way. But whether that's the case or not, whether there is such a thing, I mean, clearly there is such a thing as mystical experience. But whether whether it means anything. Um, whether it means anything relevant to this story is another matter. But even, even if, if so, we still have to admit that the, the, the majority of our uh, humdrum, the majority of our humdrum affairs, quotidian affairs, daily affairs, the majority of our ordinary daily affairs uh, uh, don't proceed without without language and without the use of language. Uh, for thinking, for communicating, and so on. So I, I, I have a certain certain sympathy, but um, certainly as, as to the importance, <laughs> absolutely decisive importance of this thing, this universe of discourse, given its relationship to common sense and shared understandings. But. It seems to me that some questions that we can ask are, are, are settled separate from us. Not all, I think many of the important questions, questions of ethics, questions of aesthetics, uh, do sort of fall back into hermeneutics, into judgment, into the necessity for evaluations and judgments. I think that's kind of kind of clear, but there are there are others where you, you can't make a decision without what we might call empirical evidence, or unless you can't make a sensible one without some empirical evidence. And this is because some questions are decided by the by what we find. by what we find in the world. 
what we actually go out, seek, find, measure, catalogue, compare, test. We draw any hypothesis from any evidence we've gained. We then test it and test it and test it and attempt to test it to destruction. Try to falsify it, if you like, just to get to a little bit, a little bit of coal popper in there. But nevertheless, there is uh, testing procedures. But the decision whether we're going to do X or Y, if it's a certain kind of decision, doesn't depend on anybody's opinion at all. At least not a sensible decision doesn't. It depends on what is found in, in the world. And it seems to me that even our uh, hermeneutics, where we have decisions to make about the human future or the future of our societies, where there is no final decisive collection of, of, of facts, that nevertheless there are still facts, there are still events, occurrences and situations and states of affairs in the world that have to be taken account of if you're going to make a sensible decision. Even though in the cases of this type that I'm talking about, there's an ineluctable uh, hermeneutical element, an ineluctable element of interpretation. And even if Nietzsche, as Nietzsche says, we are always in a situation of having to interpret, even our inner world is interpreted to us, by us. Even the events of our inner world, our dreams, our fantasies, our prognostications, our daydreams, our musings, none of these things. According to Nietzsche, escape interpretation, before they're presented to consciousness, you might say they're interpreted. And for Nietzsche, the interpretation was primordial. Now, again, even if this obtains, and it strikes me that it, that it does, you know, nothing, nothing happens in human understanding without, without mentation, you know, and mentation without, without language is a very truncated thing. And of course the result of that mentation needs language to communicate itself and to recommend itself, especially if it's attached to a proposed course of action. But I would say, even, in that, even if nature is bang on about that, it probably is, in the sense you can't escape yourself. <laughs> Nevertheless, some propositions Though they involve the mediation of the human apparatus, the sensory apparatus, the, the, the calculative apparatus of the, the frontal cortex, even though it involves those things. Nevertheless, the question is decided ultimately by what's, from our point of view, observable in the world and about which a consensus can be reached and about which some kind of testing uh, can be administered to verify or falsify any hypothesis that we come up with regarding our question, regarding the answer to our question. So even then, we're in a state of interpretation, but what we come up with isn't just a matter of opinion, man. So, universal discourse, yeah, well, that's, it's the, the bigger world of words and stories and narratives that we live in. As I've tried to outline, it, it carries a danger, a danger of a sort of rampant idealism, rampant solecism, uh, and, and uh, 
extremely dangerous repudiation of of the role of the empirical in our in our actual lived practical lives. Which is not to say that one is an epistemological empiricist, that the only way to the certain truth is 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 the senses. It's not to deny the facts that nothing happens in human culture in the human universe of discourse without the mediation of our, our sensory and cognitive apparatus, in other words, the entire organism of, of, of us as individuals. And in fact, the entire organism of our societies contributes to all this in its own way, as a totality, as a society. So there are some disadvantages, but there's a huge use that the term can be put to because it invites us to understand how collective it invites us to investigate how collective understanding is brought about and it invites us to do that by looking at the conversations broadly understood at the words it invites us to a kind of cultural hermeneutics critical hermeneutics a hermeneutics of suspicion whilst at the same time attempting to, to discern how any questions or propositions or are to be decided, whether we decide them empirically or whether we decide them through an introspective uh, scrutiny of our desires and an attempt to prognosticate on what would happen if those desires were realised, say, en masse across a mass of a population and those kind of operations we're never going to be spared from either so watch out for that uh, uh, ridiculous relativism but don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. so that's my little uh, uh, squib for today but buy me a coffee, I shall put a link. All you do is click the little link and you can go to a new a new page and you can you can bung me a coffee. And every little helps. And I hope everybody's who's listening is well and having a good apocalypse. Civilizational breakdown is certainly a very interesting thing. <laughs> And make knowledge great again, over and out, and lots of luft. <laughs>